You're listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com. The views and opinions expressed by Professor Porterfield do not necessarily reflect the views of the sponsors or their affiliates. Texas, where the stars at night are big and bright, it's the Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, here to tell it like it was and how it is to help school you so no one can fool you, brought to you by the good folks at the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in beautiful Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. So now, without further ado, here's Professor Porterfield. Good evening to you one and all. I am Professor Charles Porterfield, and hoodoo is my business. Welcome once again to the Now You Know Show. And uh, what a week, well, two weeks that we have had last week's show was our fabulous pre-recorded Thanksgiving show, and I hope that each and every one of you had a wonderful Thanksgiving, either with yourself or with others that you loved. We had 20 people in this little house of mine. I sat on the back porch a lot, Uh, but it was a fine time indeed. This last week, though, we have had quite a little mm, bit of activity happening in the world, as it seems, a lot of tragedy. And unfortunately, as much as I would love 
for this show to always just be laughter and good times and silly voices, um, sometimes it also has to be serious. And before we go over to the LMC Radio Newsroom, I am going to inject such a serious note. We have had a rash, a continuing rash of shootings that go on in this country. And I have to say something about that. And what I have to say about that is this. Those of you who are regular listeners and those of you who know me know that I am a great believer and a well-known worker in the same. And I use prayer. I go to prayer regularly. I advise others to go to prayer regularly. And I have to say that prayer is not enough. You have to get up off your knees and do something. We have a situation in this country and having good thoughts afterwards and condolences and sympathy, prayers, which is nice. I mean, that's very nice of you, is not going to fix it. And we have to do something to fix it. What? I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. If I had the solution, I would have gone to my sponsors and I would have said, listen, I've got the solution to the troubles and woes in our society. And unless you say stop, I'm going to revamp the Now You Know show to just be the cutting edge uh, vanguard ship of getting this solution out onto the airways. And I'm pretty sure that having listened to it and, and found that it was true, my good sponsors would have said, let's do that right now. Can you do that seven days a week? Can you actually be on the air 24 hours a day? How much do you need to sleep? But I don't have the solution. But I do know that waiting for the tragedy to happen again and again and again and again and saying, our thoughts are with you, our prayers are with you, just means that in two days, next week, week after that, because we don't go too long without this happening, kids. It's not like in six months. You're going to be doing that again. We're all going to be saying, our thoughts are with you. Our prayers are with you. We're all going to get on our knees again. We're all going to light our candles again. We're all going to go to our holy books and writs. We're all going to beg God to solve the problem. But God is not going to solve the problem. The problem is ours. We created the problem. We have to own the problem. And we have to fix the problem. All of us, in every little way that we can. And I know it's daunting. And I know it feels like, what can I do? That's the way it always feels about everything. Racism, Islamophobia, anti-Semitism, homophobia, class inequity, poverty. But we have to do something. And we have to demand of our servants, and do not be confused, they are our servants, that they do something about it as well. 
And when they choose not to, then we have to get the hell rid of them and say, well, it's not good enough. You don't care. And I'm not going to stand with you anymore. So I apologize. Uh, well, actually, no. Actually, I do not apologize. I would like to say I apologize for interjecting that here, but it had to be said. So please just, you know, don't let tragedy and horror become commonplace. Don't let it become something that, you know, you have a little capture file and every uh, four days to two weeks, you just go copy paste about, oh, my thoughts are with you. Oh, I'll pray for you, etc. Because, baby, it's not doing any good. It's just not doing any good. And as it grows, more and more of us are going to start having this wonderful little anecdotal moment where we say, I know someone. I know someone who was at one of those. I know someone who was gunned down. I know someone who was killed, who was murdered in that situation. And then eventually, it'll be somebody else saying it about you. So there's a little thought from the professor tonight. And now, without further ado, we're going to go across the hall to our own Wink Winkerson, who's patiently waiting in the LMC radio newsroom. Take it away, Wink. Good evening. Today is Thursday, December 3rd, the 337th day of 2015. There are 18 days until winter begins and 28 days left in the year. Today and tomorrow are auspicious days to slow, to mow, to slow growth, harvest, quit smoking, start a diet to lose weight, kill plant pests, cut hair to slow growth, and get married. The 4th through the 6th is a fine time for sowing hay. Fodder crops and grains are also advised at this time, and they are favorable days for planting root crops. Today's highlight in history comes to us from December 3rd, 1965, when the Beatles' sixth album, Rubber Soul, was released in the United Kingdom by Parlophone. It was released in the U.S. by Capitol Records three days later. On this date in 1818, Illinois was admitted as the 21st state. Happy birthday to you, Illinois. In 1828, Andrew Jackson was elected president of the United States by the Electoral College. In 1833... Oberlin College in Ohio became the first truly co-educational school of higher learning in the United States. In 1947, the Tennessee Williams play A Streetcar Named Desire opened on Broadway. In 1953, the musical featuring the song Paradise also opened on Broadway. And then finally from Broadway, in 1960, the Lerner and Lowell musical Camelot opened today. In 1967, 
surgeons in Cape Town, South Africa, led by Dr. Christian Barnard, performed the first human heart transplant. The individual lived 18 days with the new heart. Also on this date, the 20th Century Limited, the famed luxury train, completed its final run from New York to Chicago. In 1979, 11 people were killed in a crush of fans at Cincinnati's Riverfront Coliseum, where the British rock group The Who were performing. In 1984, thousands of people died after a cloud of methyl isocyanate gas escaped from a pesticide plant operated by a Union Carbine subsidiary in Bhopal, India. Today's birthday greetings go out to movie director Jean-Luc Godard, who is 85, singer J.P. Morgan, 84, actor Nicholas Coster, 82, actress Mary Alice, 74, rock singer and foe of bats everywhere, Ozzy Osbourne, is 67, rock singer Mickey Thomas, 66, actresses Daryl Hannah and Juliana Moore are both 55 today. Acting Brendan Fraser is 47. Singer Montel Jordan is also 47. Actor Royal Watkins, 46. Actress Holly Marie Combs, 42. Actress Lauren Roman, 40. Pop singer Daniel Bedingfield is 36. And actor Jake T. Austin is 21. Our thought for today comes from Polish-born English novelist Joseph Conrad, who was born this date in 1855 and died in 1924, who said, facing it, always facing it, that's the way to get through, face it. This has been the news from the LMC Radio Newsroom, and we now turn you over to Professor Porterfield and the Lucky Numbers. Lucky number, oh, dreaming of lucky numbers, hoping that those lucky numbers yeah. will show for me. Numbers only show for you and me. Superstition, or even make me suspicious. Table with thirteen dishes, it will make me That's mommy, yeah? Yeah, man. Well, open it. Put my trunk in group of dust. Cause you know some may bring you a seven. Or maybe a lucky eleven. Oh, that you see in heaven. Lucky number for me. Yeah! Oh, and you need not just trust in goofer dust like the nicholas brothers because we have got the lucky numbers for you here each and every week this week's lucky numbers come to us as always from professorporterfield.com why not stop on by and take a look and i must tell you that this this week these numbers are particularly auspicious i try my best to formulate these numbers up for you each and every week and hand them out. But I have to tell you that these numbers are hot. I almost burnt my fingers when I went to find them. And they are 7, 9, 14, 
16, 24, and 48. Once again, those lucky numbers are 7, 9, 14, 16, 24, and 48. This week's lucky three-digit numbers, and they are also particularly lucky, are 154. That's 154. 338. That's 338. And my pick for the week, 686. That's 686. This week's card of the week is a repeat from two weeks ago. It came back, folks, and it is the three of clubs, an argument, stubbornness, quarrels, and a need to watch one's temper. Again, we have a situation where the coming week will be very rough around the edges, and one should watch out for challenges at keeping one's temper as you will be very much tempted in the coming week to dive into arguments or fights or to exclude oneself into a more polarized position. Avoid being stubborn or stonewalling others. Try to be peaceful and not let your own rigidity lead you into fights and quarrels. Remember, our week runs Thursday to Thursday, so check in with the Now You Know show to get the lucky numbers and cards when they first come out. And if you hit, remember where you get. Till then, good luck to you all. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is our continued pleasure to have with us right here, right now, from the First and Second Baptist Church of Quimby, Texas, our own dear Miss Loretta Evans. Hello, y'all. This is Miss Loretta Evans here once again with Cooking with Miss Loretta. Today, I'm going to be sharing with you yet another tasty soup. As the season gets chilly and cold, there's just nothing better than a warm, thick bowl of soup to take the chill off and warm you right up. Today, we're going to be making potato leek soup. For this, you will need the following ingredients. Three large leeks sliced into quarter-inch medallions. Two tablespoons of butter. Two cups of water. Two cups of chicken or vegetable broth. Two pounds of potatoes. Peeled, diced into one-half inch pieces. Just a little dash of marjoram. One-fourth a cup of chopped fresh parsley. Two tablespoons of chopped fresh thyme or a half a teaspoon of dried thyme. Hot sauce to taste and salt and pepper to taste. To make this, you will cook your leeks in butter with salt and pepper in a medium saucepan. 
then cover the pan and cook on low heat for 10 minutes, checking often. Be sure not to brown your leeks or it will change the taste of your soup. Add your water, broth, and potatoes and bring to a low simmer, cooking for about 20 minutes. Pour half of the soup mixture into a blender. Be careful not to burn yourself when you do so and puree it and return it to the pan. Then add your marjoram, parsley, and thyme, a few dashes of chili sauce if you like, freshly ground pepper, and salt to taste, and serve hot. You know, when you're cooking leeks, only use the white parts. Take care not to overcook them. Overcooked leeks become slimy and unappetizing. Properly cooked leeks are tender, but still offer resistance when pierced. Finally, we have a little variation to this. If you would like to make a very easy vichyssoise, uh, which is a French version of the soup served cold, take the soup that we've just made and whisk into it one half cup of heavy cream when returning the soup to the pan after blending. Omit the hot sauce and add a pinch of nutmeg. Cool completely and then transfer to the refrigerator to chill and serve cold. Well, folks, that's our recipe for this week. I hope you and your family enjoy it. Until next time, bye-bye. Wow, thank you, uh, Miss Loretta. That sounded like a, a lovely soup. I didn't realize you could just make vicious while out of it that easy. That's, huh, what do you know? I also didn't know that little tip about uh, the leaks. That's uh, pretty good. Uh, as always, we thank Miss Loretta and the First and Second Baptist Church of Quimby, Texas, for bringing her here. And we are looking forward to what she's going to have for her, uh, for us next week. Up next, the professor's pontification. This week, we're going to be talking about a whole lot of cosmic debris. The mystery man came over and he said, I'm out of sight. He said, for a nominal service charge, I could reach Nirvana tonight. If I was ready, willing, and able to pay him his regular fee, he would drop all the rest of his pressing affairs and 
might not believe this little fellow, but it'll cure your asthma too. And I said, cosmic debris because we may jump around a bit there's a lot of it out there this week so we're gonna potentially deal with some of it the first thing i want to talk about this week is a soft throwback we have talked in the past about the uh, nitty gritty and not at all pretty 
And we've also talked about the over-spookification or scarification of hoodoo. This is now the triplet, the third sister, as it were, in that little subset of categories. This is about a desire on the part of a handful of people, probably more than a handful, probably a whole room. They might even need to rent a hall. I don't know. To introduce into Hoodoo and Conjure what I'm going to term elitism of material. What do I mean by elitism of material? What I mean is that there are certain people involved in Hoodoo who will tell you that you cannot, well, you can. You can use an emergency candle. You can go use a plain white emergency candle that you bought at the hardware store, at the grocery store. You can use a regular old glass-encased candle that you got, again, at the drugstore or wherever. You can use just a plain old, you know, a candle. But what you really should use is a specialty candle made out of something special. Not it's been specially dressed. Not it's been especially prayed over. Not it's been especially created or handled for your particular situation, meaning we've blended a herb into it. We've added something to it. No, 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 no. They mean that it is made out of something better. Beeswax, animal tallow, I don't know. They say the same thing about oils. Oh, yes, you can use A, B, or C as a carrier oil, but what you surely should use is this. Now, let me be clear. They're not saying don't use this carrier oil because it spoils quickly, because it will go rancid, because it has a scent of its own, which will mismingle with your other oils, and you'll end up with this shitty-smelling oil. That's not what they're saying. What they're saying is that to do effective hoodoo conjure root work, you have to only use high-quality, hard-to-get material. Let me, let me just make that clear to you again. They're saying that an emergency candle, nah, might work, probably won't, beeswax is better. They're saying to you, eh, jojoba oil, almond oil might work, but the oil rendered from the sacred penguin who was captured under the dark of the moon in Antarctica, far better. Okay? They're saying you must use this. Now, it so happens that, by the way, they're normally selling that, uh, but we'll just leave that over there for a minute. I'm sure no one would ever misconstrue or or malign or misinform just so they could make a sale, right? Who would do that? But then there are other people who are not selling this, okay? It's gotten passed down to them. And what happens is a whole bunch of semi-magical prohibitions flare up. This includes now, instructions for things. See, it creeps out of the materia. It creeps out of the 
physical item and it creeps into actions. You must only wrap your tarot cards in yellow silk. I have no fucking clue why. Okay? But there's one for you. I didn't just make that up. That wasn't like the sacred penguin one. That's a serious one. You'll find that. Go go and look. Go and ask around. You will quickly find that you must only wrap your tarot cards in yellow silk. I I don't know if there's a payment off to the chamber's estate for the king in yellow. I don't know. I, I, I really – I have no fucking clue. Yellow silk. If you had said to me black silk, I wouldn't have agreed, but at least I would have got it. If you had said to me purple silk, I wouldn't have agreed, but at least I would have got it. If you had said to me even a, a yellow handkerchief, I might have not agreed, but, uh, you know, it wasn't yellow silk. But no, yellow silk. Yellow silk. And this continues along. Okay? Oh, you must only do this at this. You must only. And again, let's be clear. I'm not talking about directions. I'm not talking about this particular candle is lit at midnight. Here's the reason why. This is done during the full moon. Here's the reason why. This is done during the dark of the moon. Here's the reason why. This is thrown into water. This is thrown into the crossroad. This is buried in the backyard. This is buried in the front yard. And here's why. I'm not talking about directions. I'm talking about some little extra weird-ass add-on that someone has just decided, oh, we have to do that. We must do that. We must only use beeswax candles. We must only use jojoba oil. We must wrap things in yellow silk. We must do this. We must do that, etc., etc., etc. And they are often the first to tell you that because they do this, what they do is real. It works. And whatever. And there's always this little sniggling, niggling, up-the-sleeve commentary that comes along with this. And what it is, is it's a mocking, a soft mocking, a poking of humor or fun at, a clucking of the tongue at those who just use regular items that their ancestors used, that their kin used. Again, don't get confused. I'm not saying by saying this, oh, yeah, if somebody, if the thing calls for graveyard dirt, you can use mullion. No, you can't use mullion. You can't do that. You can't use mullion. You can't. No, it says graveyard dirt. It means graveyard dirt. It doesn't mean anything other than graveyard dirt. Okay? I'm talking about an intentional exotification of common materia used in hoodoo, candles, oil bases, etc. <clears throat> what happens is these people get on their high horse, and they start saying, if you don't use, well, blah, blah, blah. Now, here's the problem. The problem is I want to know where all of the original practitioners of hoodoo got all of these particular items. I, I want to know. I want to know. 
Someone write me a letter, address it to me. You can send mail to me at profporterfield at gmail.com. That's the actual address, kitties. And write me a long diatribe about how people living in the South in the 20s and 30s, let's just say the 20s and 30s, let's not go back to the 1800s. Let's not go, let's just say the, let's just say, hey, let's say the 20s through the, through the 40s, okay? Got a hold of all of these things to do the work that they did on a common base. Again, I'm not talking about someone who says to you, you should make a mojo bag if you're going to make it in red, out of red flannel, and you should use real flannel instead of polyester synthetic flannel. No, no, that's the opposite direction. That's the opposite. That's where you're saying, wait a minute, that's not flannel. That's some itchy, glassy, scratchy bullshit, and you're going to have that up against your skin. Use what was used. I'm talking about people that tell you, you must make a mojo bag out of, you guessed it, red silk. Well, where did all the people that used to make mojo bags get all this silk from? Where did they get all these beeswax candles? Where did they get all this jojoba oil? What about those who lived in areas where eucalyptus could not be readily harvested? You know, you didn't just walk outside and there was eucalyptus. There are, there are some places like that, kids, okay? But now they tell you, oh, you use Vicks. You use Vicks. How? Oh, oh, my God. If you really cared about your magic, you would use actual camphor and actual fresh harvested eucalyptus. For the potency of it. You see, intent is about everything in this work. And if you can't be bothered to take the time to use the finest quality materials that you can get a hold of, then you're just kidding yourself. My magic is going to be far more effective than yours. When Muffy and I do our magic, we only use fresh herbs and roots that have been picked within the last 48 hours. And we only use pure beeswax candles. We know the man who raises the bees. And so our magic's so much better than your magic. Really? Once again, for those of you who aren't familiar with the phrase, I'll translate. Kiss my Jewish ass. Are you serious? You're telling me that all of these people in, uh, oh, I don't know, Tupelo, Atlanta, Savannah, New Orleans. Well, let's ignore New Orleans for a moment. It was a seaport. Many things came in. But just, I don't know, you know, Baton Rouge. All of these people. In the Carolinas, in Florida, in Georgia, in Alabama, in Tennessee, in Arkansas, they were, I see, I see. I'm surprised that they did any goddamn hoodoo at all, considering it was a practice of common people in a common day who had common circumstances. But now you're going to come in and do this. When I want, I want to know about this. I want to know when I'm going to start hearing that if you're going to lay a line of salt in front of your door, you need to use pink Himalayan salt. Muffsies went 
actually went to Nepal last year for a photo shoot, and she was able to get this fabulous pink Himalayan salt. We grind it ourselves before we lay it in front of the doors to keep the haints away. First of all, why do you have haints? Second of all, pink Himalayan salt? Are you out of your mind? On this show, when I want to fall over backwards and foam at the freaking mouth. And this is one of them. Now, some people, myself included, have been known to advise people that they might, if their circumstances allow, use kosher salt. Why? Because it's a rare item. Uh, They've got it up at Kroger. I don't think it's that rare. Because it's kosher, because it's been made in accordance with law from the Bible, all right, from the Torah, from the quote Old Testament, etc. All right, that's that's the idea: is that it has an extra component to it. That's no different than us saying you use Jockey Club because Jockey. See, Jockey, Jockey Club. That's no different than us saying you use this or you use that because it has a connection to something else. All right? Meaning there's a further level. I assume, therefore, and I'm going to correct myself, I'm going to apologize right now on the air. You heard it. Listen up. Here's a public apology. I'm going to take it back. If you need to ward your house from Yetis, I encourage you to use pink Himalayan salt. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. If you've got a Yeti problem, if you've got a Yeti problem, pink Himalayan salt, that's the way to go. Obviously. Uh, Particularly if they're colorblind Yetis. Colorblind Yetis trying to get into the house, by all means, lay down as much pink Himalayan salt, put out pink Himalayan salt lamps, uh, the the or or even a yeti lick, maybe a yeti lick, and then you wouldn't want to put the yeti lick at the door because that would bring the yetis to the door. You want to put the yeti lick further out near the street so the yetis come to it and they lick it to get their salt, right? Obviously, and then they just move on, and then maybe maybe you will have some kind of uh, a positive relationship with these yetis, particularly the the colorblind. Uh, yetis. Otherwise, why don't you just use salt? See, this creeps in, folks. It creeps in. I have clients calling me this last week even. These are younger folks. They're younger than me, and that makes them younger folks. And they've been raised in and around the tradition, but they've started to hear all this nonsense. All right? So I tell them, well, you go get pine salt. Well, you go get ammonia. Well, you go get uh, baking powder. Well, you go get salt. Well, go into the kitchen and get red pepper. Well, go get black pepper. Well, go get fennel. Whatever it is that are common parts of our practice. And they go, well, well just out of the kitchen? Kitchen? Yes, just out of the kitchen. 
Well, 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 does it have to be? I mean, shouldn't it be a special kind of ammonia? Well, you know, I mean, if you guess, if you need a name brand, you can use buffalo ammonia. It has the buffalo imagery. That's a next another little level to it. Again, jockey club, kosher salt, buffalo ammonia. Sure, you could do that. Well, well, but don't I need to buy the ammonia from you? No. No, you don't need to buy the ammonia from me. It's it's ammonia. In fact, I'm doing you a favor by telling you to use ammonia and telling you what I should tell you, which is go and in the morning when you get up, piss in a pot and use that. Okay? But we have people who want it to be, again, some people are doing this because they're selling something. They're selling the pink Himalayan salt. They're selling the beeswax candles. All of their oils are made with jojoba oil as a carrier. Don't ask me the fuck why. Okay? They have to make it better. They have to make it more special. And if this were just a commercial endeavor, then I could almost forgive it. I, I wouldn't. But I could almost. I could go, well, you know, everybody's trying to make a buck, whatever. We all got bills to pay. It's that they pass on fake, self-aggrandizing, smug misinformation with it. Many, many years ago, I worked as a printer's devil, uh, which is a, a kind of a glorified typesetter. We weren't a real typesetter. I worked for a typesetter. And I worked in printing. And I worked during the period of time when the gigantic uh, big blue box Xerox machines first came out, the old 800 series. And, I mean, these things were big. You know, like a guy could almost get inside one. And I have to tell you a little bit about making copies of something with a copier. It's not as true anymore. It's still true, but it used to be very, 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 very bad in the past, and it's still pretty bad nowadays. And that is this. If I hand you a piece of paper, and written on it is a filled page, absolutely filled page of instructions, all right? Let's say this is in a nice, good, oh, 10 to 12 point font. It's real clear, okay? It's not in Comic Sans, because I would have to strangle you if it had been in Comic Sans. And it's just all written out, and you take it, and you want to make a copy for your friend, or you want to make a copy for yourself, because this is the one you're going to take to the kitchen, and this is the one you're going to put in your book or wherever. You don't want to lose it, and you don't want to, you know, the other one is going to get messy. And you make a copy. Now you've got a copy. The copy looks pretty good. It's still relatively sharp and crisp. But then if you took that copy and made a copy, it's not quite as good. And then you made a copy of that copy, and a copy of that copy, and a copy of that copy. And you just kept making copies of copies. Pretty soon you're going to end up with one of two things. You're going to either end up with a completely black piece of paper, grayish, black, it's just a smudge. Or you're going to end up with a completely white piece of paper. There's just nothing on it. All right? This is malformation, meaning that a copy of a copy degenerates. Each iteration is a little bit worse. Why did he just stop 
an entire pontification about freaking hoodoo to tell us about printing. Because this is exactly the same goddamn thing that happens with information. Somebody gets it in their head to tell you that you cannot do a common candle spell, a candle spell using a white freaking candle, not a pillar, it doesn't have to be a 14-day, it doesn't have to be as big around as your forearm, just a regular candle that you're going to burn on top of a saucer with somebody's picture under it. And you're going to have some herbs and some other things on top of the picture, and then you're going to put the saucer on top of it, then you're going to put the white candle on top of it, then you're going to put a little oil, a little holy oil on it, and then you're going to say this particular psalm, and then you're going to light the candle, and that's pretty much the work. You're going to come back to see, you know, what the candle does. Does it make any signs? Does it smoke? Does a little heart form out of the wax, etc.? They take that, and they tell you, oh, well, the photo must only be a 8 by 10 color glossy photo. Okay, it has to be it has to be a glossy photo. Okay, and then the herbs on it, uh, the herbs must only have been picked under uh, a night of the full moon during a conjunction of three planets. Holy shit. Okay, fine. And then the saucer, don't ever use a regular saucer out of your kitchen. And don't ever, you know, you have to have a special saucer. And it should always be bone china. It must be bone. If you really cared about your work, it would be bone china. And English bone china is better than French bone china. And so you want to use English bone china. And then that white candle, it should make it should have no other additives or preservatives or anything. It should be a pure beeswax candle. And you should have braided the wick and cast the candle yourself. And then you must only light the candle off of another beeswax candle that was lit off of a need fire, meaning you needed the fire. You must not create the fire with a lighter. You must not create the fire simply with a match. You must create a fire that you need. Then you light the first beeswax candle, and with it saying appropriate psalms and prayers, then you light the candle on top of the saucer. Oh, and you must say those prayers in Greek. Guess what you're now doing? I have no fucking clue what you're doing, but I know what you're not doing. And what you're not doing is regular old, standard, been done for generations, freaking a hoodoo. You're doing something else. You, I guess you're starting to slip into uh, high sorcery. I, I don't know. I don't know what you're doing anymore. But they say that, and then the person they said it to passes it along. And the person they pass it along, instead of saying bone china, says spode. It has to be spode china. And then they pass it along. And the person they passed it along to says uh, the need fire can only be made on a certain day. And then they pass it along. And the person they passed it along said, oh, the herbs have to – 
be dried, but while they're drying, they can never be in the sunlight. They can never see the light of day. They can only see the light of the moon. And then they pass it along. The person passed along to is, oh, the eight by ten has to have circles and arrows on it and a paragraph on the back of each picture describing the person that you're going to add it to. And then they pass it along. And the person says, oh, you have the 8 by 10 color glossy photo with the circles and arrows on the front and the paragraph on the back describing each picture also has to only be taken in profile. It can't be taken head on. And they pass it along. And malformation goes on and 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 on until it's just has nothing to do with fucking hoodoo. It has nothing to do with fucking hoodoo. It's not hoodoo at all anymore. And that's a real problem. It's a real problem that we have in hoodoo. Now, this is not to suggest that there cannot be additions. This is not to suggest that as people move out into the world and encounter other people, they can't see things that work and add them in. This is not – I'm not saying that, oh, if you're using Ganesh as an example on an altar in your hoodoo work, for luck, you're off the beaten path. No, he's been there for a long time. So is Buddha. So have Jewish charms. So have German blood-stopping methods. Okay, I'm talking about where we're saying that what you're doing isn't good enough. It's not good good enough. And let me tell you the really big problem with this. The really big problem with this is that it is restrictive. It makes two classes of people or more. Those of you who aren't doing things well enough you're not doing things good enough. You're not, well, let's call it what it is, spending enough money. And therefore, you've got to go sit on the Group W bench, whereas the rest of us who are spending enough money are doing it right. We're better than you, and our magic is better than your magic. Now, I am going to say, several controversial things. This is now the wig-snatching, hat-burning part of the pontification. Be prepared to go, oh, crap, and turn me off. Ready? This is a form colonialization. This is a form of exclusionary behavior. This has roots in racism. Now, you're going to think I'm mad that I just said he... What did he just say? He's out of his fucking mind. No, it's true. This has roots in racism. Let me take you back a couple of decades to a time not too long ago. Well, kind of long ago. I mean, you know, it wasn't the other day. Is in the past 20 years. Let me tell you about a problem that existed in the past 20 years. 
A problem that existed in the past 20 years or so, and stretching back even further, is we had certain magical practitioners who wanted nothing to do with hoodoo, and here's why. Because that was something that poor black people did. That was spookism. That was superstitious. That was fakery. That was bullshit. And one of the reasons it was said to be all of those things, why, is because it used common everyday items. And those common everyday items were being used by African Americans. They weren't being cut with black-handled knives or white-handled knives under certain moons, during certain spots, gathered in certain ways. Now, am I saying that American neo-paganism is essentially uh, a colonialistic, racist uh, system? No, I'm not saying that. I'm really not. Seriously. If I wanted to say that, I would say that. I am saying that neo-paganism is a religion. You may now change it out. You may. We now have this big debate in pagan circles about uh, atheist paganism and this, that, and the other thing, and that's their thing, and that's involved in their community. But it is a religious base, and the religion always looks down on the sorcerer. The religion also always fears the sorcerers, okay? But that is a truth. People who are just doing magic, they get the boot. They get, you know, bums rush from the people doing the religion, no matter what religion it is. It doesn't have to be Christianity. People look down their nose because they are sanctified. They are priests. They are priestesses. They are initiates. They are done. Now, am I saying they're wrong? I don't fucking know. I'm just saying that this works. And what you do may work, and it's your religion, and it's your spiritual practice, and that's great. But so, too, do we have our little path, and we have our ethics, and we have our internal community, and we have our internal debates. But this was true. Paganism, neo-paganism, and the neo-pagan movement, particularly in the South, but other places, looked down its nose on hoodoo, conjure, root work. Now, it also looked down its nose on Santeria, Palo, uh, work with the Orishas, etc., because of a lot of different reasons. Some of them had to do with animal sacrifice. Some of them had to do with uh, Christian elements, etc. But that has started to change. Now we have a more welcoming atmosphere. But don't get it twisted up. We have two, probably more, but these are the two I'm going to talk about, welcoming atmospheres. The first is the genuine welcoming atmosphere. We have people involved in neo-paganism who don't feel that way, who are concerned, who want to be involved with us, who see that our struggles are their struggles, who want to have us come and sit at their table and want to sit at our table for noble reasons, because they are friends, because they are family, because – they genuinely do care about us, okay? That's one. And mazel tov to them and good for them and more power to you. Keep flying those flags, baby. Then we have group two. Group two is welcoming because they want our shit. Let me just say that again. 
they're welcoming because they want our shit. It's easier to uh, take pick a man's pockets if you bump into him than if you stay on the other side of the street. They want our formulas. They want our oils. They want our recipes. They want our actions. They want our rituals. They want it all. Okay? But they don't necessarily want it as it is. They don't necessarily want it in context. They want to do to it exactly what they did to everything else. They want to take and parcel and uh, adapt and do this. This is not a rant against eclecticism. That would be a different topic. This is about, okay, I want your secrets. I want your stuff because I want to blend it in with my stuff, and I want to make money off it. And why shouldn't I be able to? Well, welcome to America, and in America, any guy can get off the boat, and he can go and learn hoodoo and make hoodoo, and more power to you, particularly if you do it right, particularly if you're educated, particularly if you do it with heart, and particularly if you do it with care. I might be the first to buy your stuff. These are people who just want in, okay? They want in for a variety of reasons. One of those reasons is exotification. They are tickled pink. They are thrilled to the bottom of their toesies, okay, at the idea of going to the crossroads and meeting, quote-unquote, the devil, all right? They would, no, no joke intended, sell their souls for the opportunity to be able to do that. The problem is that because they have that attitude of exotification and taking, they are not in the business of preserving. And because they're not in the business of preserving, they're going to be part of this malformation. Let's go back to the original topic and look at it again. You need to use only pure beeswax candles. You need to do these things with all of this. You need to be doing all of these things this proper way of spending all this money on it and doing it the right way. And it has a certain kind of feel to it, you know. And then others will be attracted, and that's what I teach. Let me tell you what this is. Get ready. He's about to say it. I'm about to say the quote of the night. This is the one that you can write down on a piece of paper and bring to me anywhere. I will be at the 2016 Hoodoo Heritage Festival. Walk up to me with this written on a piece of paper, and I'll sign it. You can have my signature, and you can go, this son of a bitch actually said it. Let me tell you what this is. Make no mistake. This magical gentrification. Oh, he said it. That's what this is. That's what this is. Magical gentrification. And that's what it is. And that's how it operates. And it operates the exact same way. It operates just like any other kind of gentrification. I'm not kidding. I'm not playing. That's exactly what it is. Every level. I'm going to take your shit, I'm going to make it better, then I'm going to open a little shop. Maybe, maybe I'll open a brick-and-mortar shop. Then I can drive the old lady or the old man who's been down the street here in Tupelo, Mississippi, doing this for 55 years out of business, because I'll open a coffee bar in my magical shop. 
everybody loves coffee. I will sell yellow silk squares so you can wrap everything in them. In fact, it's Himalayan, it's Himalayan silk. It's from the rare Himalayan silkworm. And, and due to nutrient deficiencies because of the cold climate, the Himalayan silkworm only spins yellow fucking silk. You're going to be able to get biscotti in my candle shop. That's right. We go to Panera's and buy it every morning. This is magical gentrification at every level, spiritually, culturally, on the street, in the sheets. Every, 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 every level of this is magical gentrification. And it is, at some level, conscious or not, designed to take this magic, hoodoo, root work, conjure, away from common people and put it into the hands of gentrified people, rarefied people, people with freaking money. I'm going to go a step further and make some enemies. So, too is the leveling of prices for reading and work above, way above, the norm of your economic... What does that mean? That means that if you charge $300 for a tarot card reading, you're a part of it. You're a part of it. Now, if you live someplace where the cost of living and the economic means is such that $300 is, you know, bupkis. I mean, it's nothing. It's the average price of a lot of things. Then, no, you're in line with your local economics. So I guess if you're giving tarot card readings exclusively in Bel Air, that might be appropriate. But if you're giving $300 tarot card readings, I mean the standard. I'm not talking about it's a special case. We've got to go to a graveyard and summon a spirit in the middle of midnight. No, I'm talking about just it's a, you, I, I call you up, you give me a tarot card reading, I go and see you. you. You give me a simple spread of cards. It's $300. And you live in, mm, let's pick a slightly upscale place that's still on the, so let's say Savannah, Georgia. You're, you're a part of this. You're a part of this. You're a part of this. If you charge two or three or four or five hundred dollars for a simple candle spell, I mean a simple one. I'm not talking about an elaborate thing. It takes nine days and 40 candles. No, no, no. I mean it takes one candle, and you dress it, and you light it, and you walk the fuck away, and you're charging four or five hundred dollars for that. You're a part of this. You're a part of this. You're a part of this. You're engaging in gentrification because, again, you're taking this away from regular people common people, everyday people, and you're putting it into the hands of rarefied people, of gentrified people. And it's a kind of cosmic debris. It's a bunch of smoke. It's a bunch of bullshit. When hoodoo stops being for the common person, when hoodoo stops being for 
people who need to hit the numbers, people who have an everyday common love problem, people who are having a little trouble with their boss because they have a freaking boss, people who are having some trouble with the law, people who are having trouble with a rental agreement on either side, landlord or renter, people who are having trouble having enough prosperity to take care of them and theirs, people who are having trouble in society because of who they are, how they look, and what economic level they live at. When that day comes and those people are no longer a part of Hoodoo, it's over. It's gone. Kiss it goodbye. All right? So for me and mine, I'm going to keep using salt out of the kitchen. I'm going to keep using plain old white candle. I'm going to keep using ammonia. I'm going to keep using herbs that sometimes the side of the label says McCormick, and that's just the way it is. I'm still going to make mojo bags out of pieces of used clothing that belong to me or the person that the work is supposed to be done on, you see, because it's got the sweat on it. I'm going to still sew things by hand. Now, this is, again, not a traditionalism versus eclecticism argument. I'm not saying if you don't make everything as hard as possible in the old days way, it's no good either. I'm saying if you have a local drugstore and they sell jockey club, and you need to go down there and buy Jockey Club, go to the drugstore and buy the Jockey Club, and don't let anybody tell you, oh, did you figure out how to blend Jockey Club by yourself under the light of a moon that occurs only once every 52 years? I'm not sure you're already doing the work. And that's all you can do. So unless you want to be a part of this, you got to fight against it, you got to speak against it, you got to not do it yourself. And then you got to get up, stand up, go out, and get your own mojo working.
Oh, yes, that was, of course, Muddy Waters. We've got my mojo working, and our Name It and Claim It winner on that one is Miss Catherine Ironwood. Congratulations. You know, that was just Muddy doing his best to try to try to say something to you. Try, and he was just trying to pass a little information to you. He was just sending a signal. What's that signal? Why, that's the LMC Radio Network on the air! The LMC Radio Network, broadcasting around the globe, bringing news, information, education, and entertainment to all. It's the LMC Radio Network in the vanguard! The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour, hosted by Catherine Ironwood and Contraman Ali, Sundays 3 to 4.30. Candela's Corner, starring Candela Cambisa, Mondays 5 to 7. The Crystal Silence League Hour, hosted by John St. Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6. In the Streets with Beverly Smith, Tuesdays 6 to 7. On Sacred Ground with Kai Armand, Wednesdays 5 to 7. The Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, Thursdays 6 to 7.30. And Liquid Libations with Andrea Weston, Saturdays 5 to 7. All time specific, at 3 hours for Eastern. Sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. And online at luckymojo.com. Thank you. That was our own troll towelhead chief engineer here at the lmc radio network and thank you troll for that update of our shows each and every week we want to take a few moments here to say hello to all the people we have got a fantastic crowd with us tonight and we're going to do our romper room thing you may not believe this but i'm actually holding up a mirror right now that has no back in it and i see anna gabriella Blue-Eyed Baby, Candelo Canbisa Love, Caribbean Radio Show, Cassandra Devers, Catherine Ironwood, Christy Porterfield, Gabrielle Swain, Gia, the Grand Mufti of Satanism, Miss McHale, Papa Newt, Sherry Lynn, Stephen Rowan, Sweet Woodruff, and Wendy Lankmer as well as many guests. Welcome all. Hey, guests, you know you can go and sign up for a Blog Talk account. It doesn't take but a few moments and costs you no money, and then you too can talk in chats on any of the Blog Talk shows that you might be listening to. Up next, we're going to go across the hall to our good friend, Formerly of KTVT here in Texas, the former host of the, that's right, the Monster Chiller Horror Hour, our own Count Goulash, who's going to say a few words to us from our sponsors. Take it away, Count Goulash. Boys and girls, this is Count Gulash here to talk to you about the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California. Did you know that Lucky Mojo is both an online magical shop and a real magical store that you can visit? 
They carry a full line of handmade spiritual supplies, including occult oils, incense, powders, candles, herbs, mojo bags, spiritual soaps, books, and spell kits for those who cast magic spells, love spells, money spells, and protection spells in the African-American hoodoo, pagan magic, and other witchcraft traditions. Who am I talking about? I am talking about the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California. Why not go there and visit them? You can bring your children. They'll love the train set as they watch it go around and around and around and around, leading you deeper and deeper into hypnotic sleep until you can only hear the sound of my voice. And then go on over to the world's smallest church, the Missionary Independent Spiritual Church, and take a few moments of quiet prayer and meditation before you step out and into the shop right there and browse through the aisles of thousands of items from all around the world. But if you can't get there, oh, oh, it's so scary. No, it's all right. If you can't get there, you can visit them online at www.luckymojo.com and spend hours in the privacy of your own chambers beneath the bust of palace, looking through page after page of all of their high-quality products. Once again, that's the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California, or online at www.luckymojo.com. Tell them Count Goulash sent you. <laughs> I, I can never follow that. I just, I, what a, no one can follow this man. I mean, it's like, it, 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 now here's the powerhouse, can't Count Goulash, and now back to Professor Sloppy Joe. Hillel and Peanut here, who's going to do the thing? Brought incredible. Just I am I am a longtime fan of the man, and he's just an incredible. He's a powerhouse. Up next, a little something I like to call secrets of sorcery. That's right, the secrets of scriptural sorcery. This week, we're going to be by request. Revisiting a figure. We've talked about his sixth and seventh book. Now we're going to talk about the man himself. That's right. We're going to go on down and find Moses. When Israel was in Egypt's land, oppressed so hard. They could not stand. Go down, Moses, way down in Egypt's land. Tell old Pharaoh, let my 
from God and therefore the lawgiver, the lawbringer, and we have Moses associated with that. You will see Moses invoked in matters that relate to the law or the conduct of a judge. Moses aided the Israelites in battle by keeping his arms up, and so you will see Moses be used when one has need of victory against those who are oppressing you or seeking to kill you. Moses nailed the serpent to the staff to purify the poisons out of those who had been bitten, so you will see Moses used as a healer, particularly with matters of sickness and poison. Moses called on to God so that the manna would be manifested, so you see Moses also being used to help manifest prosperity, particularly when someone is poor. They don't even have enough money to buy food. Moses was a peacemaker, so you will see Moses used in this way as well. Moses was the supposed writer of the fifth books, and therefore he is sometimes petitioned or spoken to before using anything else from those books. What do you mean by that, Professor Porterfield? I mean that, let us say you wanted to use a bit of Exodus in spell work, and you were going to recite it or pray it or write it out. You might say beforehand, before you prayed it, before you spoke it, before you wrote it out, you might say, speak, pray, or write out yourself, Oh, Moses. I would say, oh, Moses, my teacher. You might say, oh, Moses, lawgiver. Oh, Moses, man of the mountain. Oh, Moses, etc. Just as you have written, so let it be so. And then you would write out that piece that comes from one of the first five books. You see? Moses can also be invoked a number of different ways. Moses can be invoked for a need to stay upon the path of purity, to not fall into some wickedness, just as the children of Israel fell to wickedness when he went up the mountain. If we need patience and forbearing, we may call upon Moses as he awaited for 40 days and 40 nights to receive the law. There are a couple of things that you should not do with Moses. You should not use Moses from a position of anger, try to invoke anger or uh, a lack of patience or uh, a quick temper, not to calm it, but to invoke it. You should not use Moses for that because Moses himself had that issue. So in other words, you don't want to say, um, you know, Moses, I want to make these people really angry. Moses, I want to cause a fight with these people amongst each other, etc. But let me tell you something you may not know. Let me give you the reason you tuned in tonight, something you may not have heard, something you can go, I never, I never fucking heard that. Let me write this down again. If you have, or if you are, or if you are in the care of, a child or other individual who has difficulty with speech. They stutter, stammer. They have a problem with their palate. 
they have a soft palate. They have trouble formulating their words or speaking clearly. They have a lisp. Any of those things, you can use Moses to aid them in the recovery or the gaining of their speech. Most people do not know that. Why? Because, here's a little shocker for you, Moses had trouble with his speech. We do not know if he was a stutterer or a stammerer, and there is a difference. You can. This is from the horse. There is a difference between stuttering and stammering. Stuttering is when you have difficulty getting your words out. A stammer, one might have a stammer and be able to speak clearly, but there's a difficulty Finishing the words. So there is a difference between stuttering and stammering, and Moses can be used to help either, because Moses was either a stutterer or a stammerer. We don't know which. There is some story about why uh, that he had this problem. Uh, The best information we have is that he placed a hot coal into his mouth as a child. Uh, and burnt his mouth. And so he actually had damage to his palate. Moses himself requests that God not send him as spokesperson. Don't send me to Egypt. Don't make me go to Pharaoh. Don't make me say all these things. I am not, you know, I'm not good if tongue is not well made. I, I, I can't do this. God returns in answer, who made that mouth? Who made that tongue? I did. You'll go do what I say, but I'll send your brother Aaron with you because Aaron is better at speech. So we can use Moses to help us also if we need to speak before a great number of people. You have to try. You can Moses. Now I'm going to tell you a true story to prove my point. It has been my great honor uh, to be the MC at the Hoodoo Heritage Festival this last year, and they've asked me to do this again next year. I have this marvelous radio show. For some strange reason, a lot of you like the sound of my voice and the way I say things and how I do, in fact, say them, my turn of phrase. A few of you are softly aware of my occasional pregnant pauses. I, as a child, had a soft stammer and a speech impediment. I would uh, transpose sounds. I would transpose primarily TFs with Fs, uh, THs with Fs, and Fs with THs. I was in remedial schooling for it for about a year. I, myself, use Moses, aid me in speech. I always have. I call to Moses and I ask him that I may be subtle of tongue and true of speech. I do that myself. 
and I am telling you that this works. And so when you want to use this, you can simply say, just as Moses was unsubtle of speech, but the Lord made him to be known by his words, let me, or whoever you're working for, let him, let her be made so. This I ask of you, O Lord, and of you, Moses, lawgiver, Moses, liberator, Moses, man of the mountain, however you want to, I again would say Moses, my teacher. And you can ask that. You could also anoint a candle with Moses oil before you did that and burn that oil, burn that candle on top of a saucer on top of the picture of the person you're trying to aid. It doesn't have to be a china saucer. It doesn't have to be spowed. You can use Moses for all of these things. But perhaps the most powerful thing that you can use Moses for is liberation. If you have work where you are trying to free someone from jail or free someone who is being oppressed or free someone who is being kept down, locked down, tied up, rooted down, then you can go to Moses as liberator. This is the man who led the children of Israel, led the Hebrew children out of Egypt under the mighty hand and the mighty arm of the Lord. He freed them. Their shackles were broken. You can call upon Moses to do this. And if you think for a heartbeat that I do not call upon Moses Rabbeinu, Moses, my teacher, Moses the Great, every week in my work for those who protest all over this country, for those who are seeking to be liberated of the oppression that they are under right now, you're silly. Because I do, and so can you. That's been a little bit, like I said, we could do a whole show on it. But go in there, look in Exodus in particular, and you will find much. Up next, we're going to go not into the kitchen. No, we're going to take a little mm, sit down in the parlor. Just you, me, and a deck of cards. Friends, this is T. Texas Tyler with a strange story about a soldier boy and a deck of cards. During the North African campaign, a bunch of soldier boys had been on a long hike and they arrived in a little town called Casino. The next morning being Sunday, several of the boys went to church. A sergeant commanded the boys in church, and after the chaplain had read the prayer, the text was taken up next. Those of the boys who had a prayer book took them out. But this one boy had only a deck of cards, and so he spread them out. The sergeant saw the cards and said, Soldier, put away those cards. After the services was over, the soldier was taken prisoner and brought before the provost marshal. The marshal said, Sergeant, why have you brought this man here? For playing cards in church, sir, and what have you to say for yourself, son? Much, sir, replied the soldier. The marshal said, I hope so, for if not, I shall punish you more than any man was ever punished. 
The soldier said, Sir, I've been on the march for about six days. I had neither Bible nor prayer book, but I hope to satisfy you, sir, with the purity of my intentions. With that, the boy started his story. You see, sir, when I look at the ace, it reminds me that there is but one God. And the deuce reminds me that the Bible is divided into two parts, the Old and the New Testament. And when I see the tray, I think of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And when I see the four, I think of the four evangelists who preached the gospel. There was Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And when I see the five, it reminds me of the five wise virgins who trimmed their lamps. There were ten of them. Five were wise and were saved. Five were foolish and were shut out. And when I see the six, it reminds me that in six days God made this great heaven and earth. When I see the seven, it reminds me that on the seventh day God rested from his great work. And when I see the eight, I think of the eight righteous persons God saved when he destroyed this earth. There was Noe, his wife, their three sons, and their wives. And when I see the nine, I think of the lepers our Savior cleansed. And nine out of the ten didn't even thank him. When I see the ten, I think of the ten commandments God handed down to Moses on a table of stone. When I see the king, it reminds me that there is but one king of heaven, God Almighty. And when I see the queen, I think of the blessed Virgin Mary, who is queen of heaven, and the jack or knave is the devil. When I count the number of spots on a deck of cards, I find 365, the number of days in a year. There's 52 cards, the number of weeks in a year. There's four suits, the number of weeks in a month. There's 12 picture cards, the number of months in a year. There's 13 tricks, the number of weeks in a quarter. So you see, sir, my pack of cards serves me as a Bible, almanac, and prayer book. And friends, this story is true. I know because... I was that soldier. That was, of course, the man with a million friends, T. Texas Tyler. You can tell he's from Texas. He says, Noe, with a deck of cards. That particular version is from 1948. And our name it and claim it winner on that is, let's just say, everyone who has a book of mine. In fact, that should be an embroidered sampler hung on the wall of of my house, uh, is how much that happens. Today, we're going to sit in the parlor rather than the kitchen, and I'm going to talk to you about a deck of spells. Well, actually, a deck of cards. Sorry, folks. And uh, I have a feeling that the reason this show... Uh, has as many listeners as it does tonight is just because of this reason. Y'all been waiting for this. Well, I won't give it to you. Professor, can we use a deck of cards in hoodoo? Yep, you sure can. That's right. You can use a deck of cards in hoodoo and conjure. And in fact, a deck of cards has been used in hoodoo for a long time long time and the playing cards themselves have been used in magic for a very long time let me start out with perhaps one of the earliest examples that we have proof of we know this to be true in other words there are rumors there are suggestions but we know of this one this is not a part of hoodoo but it does show you that playing cards are used in 
magic. This comes from 1603. How's that for a date? In 1603, while Queen Elizabeth I lay dying, two of her ladies in waiting discovered a queen of hearts, a queen of hearts that had had an iron nail driven through its forehead in the bottom of her chair. They were afraid they didn't touch it. They didn't want to be associated with it. And uh, it is believed that this was part of what led to Elizabeth I's death. This was obviously a curse work that was done on her. And it's uh, a little disturbing to consider that Elizabeth's late grandmother, Elizabeth of York, uh, is supposedly the model upon which the image of the Queen of Hearts was based. So you can see there is a further connection there, not just as her being queen, why didn't we use the queen of spades? She was a somewhat harsh ruler. Ah, we've made a familial connection as well. So this does go back a good long time. And let me discuss this a little bit with you. How can we? How can I use playing cards, Professor? Well, you can use playing cards in a number of ways, so start jotting them down. You can use a playing card as the paper for a petition, meaning you would actually write onto the card. You can write on the front of the card. You can write on the back of the card. And you would choose a card that has association to your work. If you want two people to fight, you would take the two of spades, and you would write both of their names over the spades, you see. And then in between the two spades, you would write the word fight. Or you could write it out in very fine handwriting. I want you two to fight. I want you to fight every time you see each other. Like cats and dogs, you'll fight all day, all night. You could use that to cause trouble at work. You could use that to break up a couple. Huh? What if you wanted to break up a couple and you wanted one of them? You want the man in the relationship. You could take the three of hearts and write your name. The woman's name, his wife's name, girlfriend's name, and his name. But you would make sure that the two hearts that you wrote your name and his name on were the two closest hearts. She's going to be the reversed heart, that heart away, you see, and dispose of it. Burn it up. Throw it under the crossroads. So you can use the actual playing card itself as a petition paper to start to write on. I will say to you of that a couple of things. Unless you are prepared and very dedicated uh, to do this, you're going to want to do it with a Sharpie permanent marker. You can do it with a ballpoint pen, but you must remember that playing cards these days are covered with a protective plastic coating, and it's very, very difficult to uh, write on them with a ballpoint pen. You can't write on them very well with a pencil at all. So you're going to want to write with a permanent marker. But you can, and I have, with dedication, gotten results with a ballpoint pen, but you're going to take some time. But that may be beneficial to your work that you are putting that extra effort into it. You can also place playing cards, appropriate playing cards, into a mojo bag. Now, for this, you might want to use miniature cards, or you can do something that old hoodoo workers did. You can simply take the cards that you want to use and snip off their indices, their corners, 
that have the symbol that shows what card it is. K heart. It's king of hearts. You can snip that K heart off and simply add that into the mojo bag. And that is a traditional old use of them. Well, what playing cards would I would use? Well, uh, you could, for a gambling hand, you could add three jacks and a king. Or you could add a the highest hand possible in poker if you were making a mojo bag to help you in poker. You could put a whole straight in there, you see. If you didn't want to do that, you could just get some smaller cards. They do sell miniature cards and place those into a mojo bag. If you wanted it for general luck or luck with gambling, but you didn't want it to be a specific form of gambling, you could or a lotto or the slots. You could just put three sevens, you see, into that mojo bag. You would not want to use the seven of spades. The spades are about tears and troubles and trials and tribulation. So you would use the seven blessed suits, the seven of hearts, seven of diamonds, and the seven of clubs. You can also burn playing cards to ash and use that ash as a part of any powder that you are making. Let's say that you wanted to goofer someone. All right. You can take their name and write out their name or a description of them, if you don't know their name, onto an appropriate face or court card for them. In other words, oh, it's a woman and she's kind of easy and breezy, goes out with all the boys, kind of a loose character. You'd use the Queen of Diamonds. Oh, this, that, that bitch, that asshole who's always giving me so much trouble and he's in the neighborhood and he's causing all these fights and all that. Okay, if he's slightly older, you use the king of spades. If he's a younger dude, you'd use the jack of spades. Write out their name, or anything else you know about them on it, their birthday, etc. You could even, if you had a picture of them and it was small enough, carefully clip around their face and attach their face over the face of the face on the court card, you see. And then you take that card and burn it to ash. Don't inhale. And add that ash to the goofer dust or the hot foot powder or whatever else you're going to be laying down for them, you see. If you're having a romance issue and you want this one particular man you can take the Queen of Hearts, write your name on her, write your birth date on her. Take the King of Hearts, write his name on it, write his birth date on it, and then place them face to face and sew those two cards together with red thread and then place those two cards in between your mattress and box spring. You can make a baby doll out of a playing card or place a card appropriate to the person at the heart of the baby doll. There are many, many uses, and we see them in the history of hoodoo. This isn't just something, you know, that people, that, that I, as an example, made up. This isn't some, you know, thing that came off the top of my head, and I said, this will be great. I can go and malform hoodoo, man, and I can sell a book. No, 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 my friends. I went and I studied and I learned and I dug and I asked and I begged and I did everything else to bring all this back up. So let me tell you 
the one thing in particular that I found that most people don't think about. And this is actually placing cards above door or window lintels. You can do this for a number of reasons. To protect the space within, to do that, the cards would be above the door facing in. To protect the house from without, to do that, the cards would be set outside. They'd be above the door. You can use this to keep the law away, as an example. We all know about the Indian head scent because it's not a penny. It's a scent to keep your place safe and well. But you could also use four jacks to keep the law away. Uh, this is from an old-time worker back in 1937 who said that to keep the law away, you should take a jack from each suit and place them at the four corners of the door. This is going to be on the outside. And then place a penny at the foot of the door and put nine needles across the door and burn dragon's blood incense. So that's another example. If you wanted power over an individual, you could write their name on an appropriate card and put it in your shoe. Then you wouldn't have a paper in your shoe. You'd have a playing card in your shoe. Maybe Catherine and I should write a new book, playing card in my shoe, a deck of spells in my shoe. There are many, many, many different uses. And that we could honestly fill an entire two hours of talking about the different uses of these. But I would like you to consider the ubiquitous, humble little playing cards. We all have them in our house. And finally, I would like to say that also you can gain attachment to targets by reading cards, reading playing cards on someone, and then taking the cards that have come up in the reading that have certain meanings in the reading and using them as connection to those that individual or that circumstance right out of the reading. And you can do that because playing cards are cheap. And so you can buy a cheap deck of playing cards, read the cards, and then feel safe and happy about the fact that you then took five or six playing cards out of your deck and wrote on them, tore them up, burned them, put them in your shoe, hid them under somebody's rug, pasted them into the back of a lovely picture book that you made for someone so they don't know that it's there, etc., etc., or tore it all up to add into uh, a conjure or dressing oil that you were using. Um, the knowledge shared this evening comes from a deck of spells, Hoodoo Playing Card Magic and Root Work and Conjure by me. And so I guess I thank myself. Well, folks, it has been a time here. We have had talked about a lot of things, and there's so much more that we could talk about with playing cards, with Moses, uh, with the gentrification of magic. Oh, by the way, that's TM, gentrification of magic. Professor Charles Porterfield, December 3rd, 2015. Somebody call Bartlett's. But all good things must come to an end. So, too, do all ill things pass by. And I ask you to remember both of those. We will find our way out of these trials and troubles that we are handing. If we all stay together, if we all work together, gentlemen, 
if we do not hang together, surely we shall all hang separately. So that's it. Uh, uh, everybody else has left. I think Johnny's somewhere in the back. I vaguely smell tuna fish being made. But I'd like to stay here, but I mean, there's no more left. I mean, that's it. This is this is the end. Ah, this is not the end. Uh, it is not even the beginning of the end. Uh, but it is perhaps the end of the beginning. Texas and go to Texarkana and don't back to Fort Worth. Come on down to Dallas to call the kitty. Coming through the territory in Kansas City and Kansas City, St. Louis and St. Louis, Chicago. I'm on my way to the